Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Al. Hey, y'all. So, what are we talking about on the podcast this week? All right, y'all. So, in full, complete transparency and honesty, it has been a rough week for me personally, for a lot of people personally, I am sure, for us nationally for just a, just a variety of reasons. It's been a rough week. And something that has not been helping my personal struggle with this week is that I've had to change therapists yet again and am finally seeking out a gender-affirming therapist and so excited about it and quite frankly just won't shut up about it. I'm hyped about mm-hmm. this fact, about this upcoming journey that I'm going on to have a gender-affirming therapist and in particular a non-binary therapist, y'all. So I thought that this week on the podcast, we could talk a little bit about our journeys with therapy, both in the gender-affirming space and outside of it. I think that, Josie, your journey with therapy has always been a little bit more gender-affirming specific. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely started going to therapy before. I realized I was trans but my relationship with like my like dedication to how awesome therapy is and dedication to my own mental health started with my gender affirming therapy experience right and I on the other hand have gone to therapy for most of my life definitely all of my adult life since I was in high school I'm not that old so that's only seven or eight years but you know all of my adult life for a variety of non-gender related things such as trauma and uh, major depressive disorder mm-hmm. and yeah so I've been going to therapy for a long time for other reasons and only recently realized that perhaps I should seek out gender affirming therapy because perhaps being able to talk about gender in a therapeutic space would be beneficial for me wild revelations y'all mm-hmm. I know so would you like to tell your story first or shall I uh, I can get started. I can I can lead us off here. So my history with therapy in general was very, I want to say delayed. It feels weird to call it delayed, though, because a lot of people just never go to therapy. We'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Oh, wait, one more piece of context. I also want to go to school to be a therapist. Oh, so that's I right. also that's I always I talk a lot about therapy and I really like to model that I'm in therapy and I like to reference my therapist and my therapy appointments casually in work and friendship contexts because I think everybody should be in therapy and I think we should remove the stigma. But then also, sometimes I forget to also point out that I study this academically, have studied it academically, and planning to get my doctorate, hopefully, in it. So, like, Right. I also come from that angle. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. I, I am not there, but I really appreciate <laughs> having a partner who is, I will say. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it took me a little while to go on my therapy journey, just like it took me a while to go on my gender journey. And 
therapy for me, I definitely bought into the stigma of therapy. I was very scared of there being something quote-unquote wrong with me. I had depression and anxiety throughout most of college and continue to struggle with anxiety pretty pretty much every day. Um, and so I definitely, looking back, and glad for the even like sporadic little bits of therapy that I got throughout my college days, but like mostly I just went to my college's UHCS um, and saw a counselor like once a month, if that, but also often skipped months. So what Josie is saying is she wasn't going to therapy. I have zero faith in... <laughs> we had we went to the same university, so I specifically know the people that she's talking about and the UHCS that she's talking about, and let me tell you, it was trash. So that's part one. Yes. <laughs> and part two is going to therapy monthly is... I'm skeptical of it at best, and going to therapy monthly where you skip months is not... It's not going to therapy. I have a lot of hot takes on therapy. Everybody has their own journey through therapy, however... Mm-hmm. That doesn't really count. Yeah. My, that time period, that therapy was much more, like, interventional in times of crises for me. Like right. And was... crisis counseling is a thing. It's a thing that I have a lot of personal negative experience with. Um, but crisis counseling is, like, a very valuable thing. Right. Was that when you were on antidepressants? Were you just seeing a psychiatrist? No. I saw a separate psychiatrist to get on antidepressants. But it was through... Mm-hmm that therapist that I got referred to the psychiatrist, also at UHCS, to get on antidepressants. Because going to just a psychiatrist every month is much more common, or every six months. Like, once you have a you have a drug regimen that works for you, and you don't feel like you need to be in talk therapy, like, you don't... That's a whole different... That's a whole different... Right. Field. Right. And that was kind of where I was for a little while. But then, I realized that I was transgender. And that started a whole new entire journey, because my experience coming out as trans was more positive than a lot of experiences I've heard of. I had a very supportive friend group. Much of my family was immensely supportive. But one of my parents was very skeptical of the idea of me doing any medical interventions before I talked to someone. And I was also kind of scared of doing any medical interventions. That, I think, was early ticklings of my non-op identity. But I definitely didn't want to just dive right into doing HRT without having talked to someone about my gender. So the first therapist that I saw regularly, like for weekly discussions, was actually a gender therapist. Or was certified. And I'm just going to, I'm going to jump in there because that is something also that from like my academic knowledge of this, people think that therapists are all the same or have all the same training. And that's could not, literally could not be further from the truth. You can, be a, you can become a licensed counselor via two different master's routes. You can get a master's in counseling or a master's in social work, and you become a licensed counselor. Every state has a different name for that title. Licensed clinical counselor, licensed independent practitioner, whatever. It's the same idea. A licensed counselor with a master's degree. And then you can get one of two different doctorate degrees, a PsyD or a PhD, and become a licensed psychologist And then you can also be a psychiatrist, which does require an MD. There's a lot of different ways to become somebody who puts therapists on their door. And if you are seeking out therapy, make sure you consider those those factors, at least in whatever way feels accessible to you. Because you can be specialized in gender therapy, which is totally a thing. You can also be certified in gender therapy, which means you went to extra school 
Similarly, you can be a sex positive therapist, but you can also be certified in sex therapy. Like these are different. These mean different things. So it's okay if you just want to ignore what your therapist's schooling was. Like it doesn't actually matter necessarily as to what they're able to give you in the client practitioner relationship, but it is something to consider. Right. And that's also something that I just had no idea before I had a partner who was trying to do this for a living. So yeah, I only figured this out when I decided I wanted to become a therapist. And I was like, Oh my god, what the F are all these different paths to becoming a therapist? Yeah. And so my first therapist was a person who specialized or was certified or in some way was very particular about treating transgender people, especially those early in their transition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he actually did a lot of work with non-binary people too. He, he was a, he was actually a really cool guy. Right. And so he really did help me immensely in coming to terms with my gender identity, coming to terms with my non-op identity and feeling confident in starting my hormone replacement therapy and feeling confident. I mean, he's one of the, one of the reasons that I go by Josie more so. You're the other reason. Thank you. (laughs) But he was one of the other people who said like, it's okay to have a preference on your name. And so he was super cool and very helpful for my gender stuff, but it kind of became obvious as I continued working with him that he wasn't actually helping me all that much with my anxiety. My depression was at least partially alleviated by graduating college and by coming out as transgender, but my anxiety persisted in being a problem. And I wasn't really getting help from him with that. So then I moved on to other therapists that have since then helped me a lot specifically tackle my anxieties. But every time I've done that, I've been careful to make sure that I'm going to see therapists who specifically also do work with transgender individuals because I have never really wanted to be in a situation where I have to explain my gender identity or I have to contextualize my anxiety in terms of my dysphoria or vice versa for someone who maybe doesn't see that often. I I wanted to make sure that the therapists I was going to both were aware of the fact that I was trans and that wasn't something that I was going to therapy for, but also that would understand if I at some point said like, I need help around this gender-related issue. And that's where I am now. I have been through a couple more therapists since then as we've moved around, and they have all been not gender-specific therapists, but I have been careful to select people who have at least experience working with binary transgender individuals. Mm -hmm. So I, on the other hand, like I, I mentioned, I went into therapy when I was 15 regarding acute trauma, (laughs) like I was missing school to go to therapy instead, type of acute trauma, good times. By the way, if anybody is ever traumatized in your life, put them in therapy. They might not like it. I certainly didn't like it at first, but it'll be good for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was my parents' massive, massive success in that field. It was actually family therapy at first too. So I went with my family and then slowly it became just my therapist And I ended up seeing her for the next three years. A while. Yeah, a while. And then I moved to Boston for college. And I didn't get a new therapist because I was healed and I was Gucci. Good times. (laughs) Then I ended up moving back to Chicago for a variety of issues involving some more trauma. And I went back to the same therapist who, because I started seeing her when I was 15, was actually a pediatric uh, family therapist, a.k.a. 
absolutely not specializing in seeing my, at that point, 21-year-old solo, not with a family self. But she still saw me because she's cool. So I went back to her for like six months. When I moved back to Boston that time, I was like, can't fool me twice. And I got a different therapist. Good decisions. Good decisions all around. And that therapist as well was wonderful and incredible. And I quote her on a daily. But at these points in my life, gender wasn't really like a thing that I thought about a lot for myself. Both of these people were like LGBTQ plus friendly, but not necessarily people that I was talking to a lot about gender. But that was okay for me. That worked out just fine for me. And in Milwaukee, where we are now, I've had two different therapists, both of whom I've left. The first for like unrelated reasons, but the more recent one, because she was not specifically a gender therapist, kind of in this area that Josie was talking about. Mm-hmm. She had worked with LGBTQ plus people in the past and she wasn't doing it for me. The like final straw for me was she told me that they then theirs has started being used as a pronoun in the last five years. And I just had to sit there and explain to her how that wasn't true and how that's really hurtful misinformation because people have been using they them theirs for at least since like the 80s, 90s, but probably much longer. Right. And how unhelpful it was for me to have to be the expert on things like that in my therapeutic space. And it was hard for me to leave over that because it felt like such a small thing, right? She didn't attack me. She didn't tell me that they them theirs wasn't valid. She didn't continually use the wrong pronouns for me. She did do that, but that wasn't why I was leaving. I was leaving for this <laughs> other thing. And it just didn't feel like enough, right? She kept telling me how she like had worked with LGBTQ plus people, how she like knew things. And I was like, but you don't seem to know things. And when she used the wrong pronouns for me, she like tried to say that I had told her my pronouns incorrectly. And like <laughs> That's such a that's such a power move, honestly. It's like, um, actually, you're the one and that really, messed this up. I really, I just remember being like, because, so in her head, like in her notes, she'd switched around Josie and I's pronouns. So she thought Josie uses they, them, and I use she, her. And when she told me that I told her that, like she told me that I made a mistake and I put our pronouns switched. And I was like, here's the thing. Like, I am willing to hear you out if you're saying that I said my pronouns are she, her, because I spent, you know, the first 23 years of my life going by she her I still do go by she her in certain contexts like I'm willing to accept that I might have made that mistake I never said that Josie uses they them it just it didn't I didn't say those words it doesn't, it doesn't work I've never gone by though. <laughs> it doesn't make sense it is like comical anyway so as you can hear from my just ranting on this it was really hurtful though like it really sucked to have to be like wow you are trying to be good and like you are good person and you're probably a great therapist but like this is not what I need and so I feel like my biggest thing there's a piece of advice in this episode is like go to therapy that's piece of advice number one that's just just overarching everybody should go to therapy exactly but piece of advice number two it's okay if a therapist isn't what you need I think I struggle with that a lot partly because like I want to be a therapist and the concept of somebody of like me not me being what a client needs is terrifying Mm -hmm. or like hurting a client oh god horrible hurts my actual soul but like at the same time isn't it so much better if they're like yeah this isn't what I need I'm gonna go find somebody that is what I need as opposed to staying in that therapeutic relationship for months and months and months and years that's exactly the worst outcome right which leads me to my second or I guess third piece of advice Ooh, so many so much advice advice is good action items are good there you go action items are good 
part of the reason that I was seeing this woman was because I didn't think it was possible for me to see a non-binary therapist. Like, that didn't, didn't seem to exist. Right. I mean, and that is at least a perception that I think is right. fair. I mean, right. it's not very difficult. And I also want to point one thing, more thing out, just like from an academic standpoint. Also, like Josie also mentioned that there are lots of therapists who are like specifically gender therapists, and that's really great. But like, she'd run out of how much help she could get from a gender therapist because like that gender therapist wasn't helping on her anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is there is also a class of therapists, and like, there's no shade against these folks that are out here doing the good work. But they are to some extent there to make sure that you're good to go. And then often in many states like Wisconsin, sign a letter, write a letter, whatever, create a letter for you to get your HRT, to get your surgeries, get whatever it is you need. And then then they've done what they do. Like then they need to get that spot open for another person so that they can mm-hmm. give another non-cis individual what they need. Yeah. And like they're not really there to help you with your anxiety. Yeah. And that's okay. I was just I was just thinking about how we're talking about our relationship to therapy as gender expansive people that aren't being denied care because right. of therapists and like that's a thing if, if you yourself are not gender expansive and you don't know that places like wisconsin require letters from therapists to let you start hrt one of the things that was really actually no wait fact check wisconsin doesn't for hrt it's oh, for it's not... surgeries in wisconsin okay yeah right uh, uh there are states in the united states that are uh, so-called informed consent states, which include where I started my transition, which was Massachusetts, where I didn't need to go to a therapist to get HRT, but I chose to because I wanted to. But like, while we're here talking about how wonderful and awesome therapy is, probably is good to note as a podcast about the struggles of being gender expansive, that it's not always easy right. to just find someone. And I want to clarify that because I'm not sure that you said it in the most like concise way. Fair. There are states that are informed consent, which is the easiest way to be gender expansive. That's places like Illinois and Massachusetts, where literally you can go to a doctor and be like, I want to start estrogen, or I want to start testosterone, or I want to get bottom top surgery, whatever. And they just sit you down and they're like, okay, this is the medical knowledge you need to know about that. And like, these are the good sides, these are the downsides, or even better, they don't even attach positives and negatives to it they're just like this is what will happen and then you can say yes i am now informed and i consent to it and they write you a prescription it's great then there are states like wisconsin that have like slightly more complicated where you can do something very similar to that to get on hormones but in order to get any type of surgery you have to get a letter from a therapist Mm -hmm. and then there are also places still to this day that have like a more dramatic version of it where you have to like live as your correct gender for like x number of months years and then get a letter signed by a therapist that says you've done that in mm. order to get these various gender affirming medical procedures therapists enter that that system in a variety of different ways and i think my point on the gender affirming therapist sometimes gender affirming therapists can just be code for i will write you a letter <laughs> and sometimes that's used predatorily and they'll charge you like $500 for a letter that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just like genuine. They can't put on their website that they're happy to write anybody and everybody a letter, but they kind of are. So they're trying to like signal that. Right. It gets a lot more complicated when you start thinking about that. But part of the reason I didn't think I would have access to a gender affirming therapist, especially a non-binary gender affirming therapist in Wisconsin, 
is a lot of gender affirming therapists fall into that category where they're just there to write letters. Right. And that's a beautiful category. It's just not the category I need. Mm-hmm. I have a permanent address in Illinois. If I want any of these gender affirming medical procedures, I will just do them in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's no reason to do them here. But to that point, I have a permanent address in Illinois and we're planning on moving to Chicago probably shortly after this whole Rona situation is over. <laughs> so I looked up non-binary therapists in Illinois and y'all, or in Chicago rather, and y'all, they're out here. They exist. Yeah. They're real. And so I think the piece number three of advice that was hidden somewhere in there is that don't make assumptions on what you have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not be like, I, it is 100% a privilege that I can access therapists and especially one-on-one therapists in, in Chicago, um, right? Josie and I haven't even dove into the fact. I also have some magical insurance. Ooh, Lord. That shit's good. That's true. Um, so, like, th- those are all privileges that I have working for me. So I'm not saying that it's like, you know, you should just believe you can do this and then you can do it too. No, not that's not necessarily true. But I think that you will be surprised by what is out there if you just sit down and you're like, I need, for me, it was that I needed a non-binary therapist. That was something that I was like, okay, like, how am I going to make this happen? Um, I know that there are lots of online, um, like, currently virtual um, therapy groups that you can go to, that you can just show up to. Mm -hmm. Large LGBTQ plus community centers often have them. I know that Howard Brown in um, Chicago has them. I know that the LGBTQ plus community center in Tulsa has them. Mm -hmm. So those sorts of things, because it's virtual, no matter where you are, you can drop into those. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll put links to some of those um, kind of resources online. And also something that I want to throw out that you mentioned that you are looking at therapists now in Chicago. Part of what allows you to do that is that telehealth is now a big thing. Well, what legally allows me to do that legally is that I am spending more than half of this year in Chicago. That's true. So I can claim that I live in Chicago, which you do still, in order for insurance to be accepted, you have to be living in the state that you are getting service from for most states. So, okay, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready, y'all? Insurance is a mess. (laughs) It's a nightmare. (laughs) So generally, you can only make insurance claims when you are being served in the same state that you're in, that you live in. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that your insurance is from. Okay. Okay. So that means if you are on your mother's insurance and your mother lives in California, but you are in Chicago for school, but you live in Chicago, you can get, you can use that insurance in Chicago. Okay. However, what that means you cannot do is if you live in Wisconsin, you can't go down to Chicago to get what you need and use your insurance. Right. Usually. For therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about medical. I'm just talking about therapy. Right. However, when the Rona first hit in March, a lot of states lowered those standards. So a lot of states started to allow you to see practitioners outside of your state. But that is dependent on both where your current state of residence is and where your therapist is. Mm-hmm. It depends on the combination of those two states. That For that sort of thing, you can just ask your therapist. Most therapists will give a 15-minute free consult, like before they look at your name or your insurance or your credit card, they just call you <laughs> um, and talk to you for 15 minutes. 
during that time, you can ask all of these questions about, like, can I see you based on where I am? Right. And that's also only if they're taking insurance. So this summer, I actually talked with my therapist from Boston because I love her so dearly. And she wasn't able to charge my insurance. But she, because it, I only wanted to see her a couple of times anyway, there were just a couple of things I needed to resolve. She just let me pay my copay directly to her because we had a three-year relationship at that point. Mm-hmm. And... I was like, I just want like four sessions. Can I please? And she was like, yeah. So she just didn't charge my insurance. That's also an option. Some therapists have sliding scales and don't charge insurance anyway. So basically, Mm -hmm. if you want therapy and if you want a certain type of therapy, be that a practitioner of a certain gender, be that a practitioner that specifies in, we keep saying gender, but I think some of the other big ones are like sex or like open relationships or polyamory, like There are therapists who specialize in all of those things. Mm -hmm. You probably have more access to that than you might immediately think. Mm. And and so a question I have for you then, Mm -hmm. not talking about like if I'm living in Milwaukee and I want to go to Chicago for a therapist because Wisconsin kind of stinks. Mm -hmm. What if I lived in Southern Illinois and didn't feel like I had access to... Oh, 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 yes, yes. That's what I was trying to say with the telehealth thing. Oh, absolutely. You can go to Chicago. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Absolutely can do. Same if you live in any part of Oklahoma. May I suggest Tulsa? Tulsa's pretty lit. If you happen to live in the rural part of literally any state, all states have one big liberal city, right? But I mean, I can't think of like Montana's, but I'm sure it exists. Yeah, I mean, there's some sort of urban population center. There's Tulsa, there's like, there's there's somewhere Mm -hmm. that has like a queer resource community. I promise it's in your state. If you need help finding it, hit me up on Discord. (laughs) I got you. Um, And right now, because it's telehealth, you can go to those people. And if you're worried about what that means when the pandemic is over, I can make no promises. But my assumption is that if you have a therapist that you're working with for the next six months, and then that therapist transitions back into in-person, but you already have this beautiful virtual relationship and can't access them in person and are paying them the same amount that they get paid for in person, mm-hmm. which you will be if they're charging your insurance. I just can't imagine a therapist being like, yeah, I'm kind of over this online situation. I'm going to go back to just seeing people in person. There are cases, I can't speak for everybody, but for the most part, right. I mean, therapists are people too. They want you. They want the best for yeah. you. And if you're it's not moving like, out like, of the state, there's literally, like, there's literally no issue if you're not moving out of the state. Yeah. Your insurance doesn't recognize that as any different than if you were in person. And the reason I bring up your insurance so much and like this is just so you can understand where your therapist is coming from and because I think of it as somebody who plans on being a professional therapist, your insurance is what pays your therapist for most of yours. So most insurance will pay between like 60 and $120 per session on top of whatever you pay for your copay. <laughs> so they're getting most of their money from the insurance. But the insurance doesn't recognize telehealth versus not telehealth. If you're in the same state, it's the same to the insurance. So it's the same to them financially. Which, like, I wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to worry about that. But at the same time, like, your therapist also deserves to get paid for the time. Yeah. And so it's valid for them to think about that. But if you're in the same state, it doesn't matter. Right. So, in summary, Mm -hmm. going back to maybe more specific gender things. In summary, what were your your three pieces of advice again? Okay, my three pieces of advice were go to therapy. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. You deserve a therapist who makes you feel entirely welcomed. You deserve somebody who doesn't make you feel like you need to be an expert or explain yourself. Right. And advice A and advice B are probably more available to you than you think. Right. Again, allowing for privilege. Like, they're very available to me. 
because I have a lot of privilege in a variety of ways. And inclusive, loving therapy is more accessible logistically to people than people know because it's so stigmatized. Right. It feels really scary to look. It feels scary to look. It feels like maybe you're doing doing something bad by looking. Is asking for help weak? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of stigma and that doesn't, that also makes it inaccessible, but I'm just talking like logistically, insurance wise, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, if you're in, I mean, I also know this from wanting to be a therapist, therapists in rural areas get paid hell up because there's very few therapists in rural areas. So everybody who wants therapy at all has to come to them, Right. which is great if it's like, you know, yours truly, who is a welcoming, beautiful therapist, but also if it was somebody who was trained in the freaking sixties, like maybe not. <laughs> maybe they think that they then pronouns have only really existed for five years. Or maybe they think that they then pronouns are grammatically incorrect. Like, I mean, you know, there are worse. <laughs> and also just getting a therapist in a big city doesn't alleviate all your problems either. Just to be super clear, like, I think that part of the issue with therapy and part of the reason it's so stigmatized is like, unfortunately, and this is just like the brutal, honest truth. If you go to therapy for any length of time, at some point, you're probably going to have a negative therapy experience. Yeah. And to me, that often looks like somebody invalidating your feelings, mm-hmm. saying that, that, no, that's not how it is. Somebody telling you that you should forgive yourself or forgive abusive family members. That's a big one that I hear continually. Or sometimes, I mean, I've heard horrible horror stories of it sounding like outright transphobia and outright uh, racism and outright bigotry and like that's atrocious and nobody deserves it and like I understand why those people are really afraid of therapy and I hope that nothing so dramatic is ever happened to you dear listener and I hope that if I tell you that having a slightly less than perfect not like bigotry level but a slightly less than perfect interaction with a therapist is part of it and that doesn't mean you should never go to therapy. That just means you need to find a different therapist. Right. <laughs> Hopefully that can like give you the strength and um, foresight to like power through those things when they happen. And again, hopefully it's at the level of somebody saying something just ignorant, like they then hasn't existed before five years ago, as opposed to like something truly horrible. Right. But either way, your response to that can be like, wow, this is a, this is a bad therapist. Or at the very least, this is a bad therapist for me. I'm mm-hmm. going to close my laptop. <laughs> close out of that that telehealth window and be like thank you so much for your time i'm gonna cancel my next appointment within the window so that i don't get charged for it and then i'm gonna find me a new therapist (laughs) like i think that we would all have a lot more healthy therapy journeys if we could kind of expect that there will be bumps in the road and that those bumps more so than being roadblocks can just be guiding us towards where we need like maybe you thought you could do really well with like some really beautiful CBT, which is like the most clinical therapy that just like immediately makes you feel better kind of type stuff. You thought that'd be great. But then your CBT therapist is like, I don't really give a shit about your gender. And you're like, wow, I want a therapist that gives a shit about my gender. Yeah. And then you can just close out that telehealth window, cancel your next appointment and find you a gender right. affirming therapist. Right. <laughs> and and I think on that note too, it's okay for your needs in therapy to change. Like yep. mine did when I transitioned from needing specifically focusing on my gender identity to focusing on my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that can go the other way where at some point, like Elle did, mm-hmm. you realize that your gender is actually maybe more important to your mental health than you were giving it credit for. Or it's just important for it right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've just put a lot of information out in this podcast because, y'all, I really, I care about this. And I do also know that a lot of our listeners 
are from my Discord. And so if you know me and you're listening from the Discord and you have questions, because I just went through a lot of info, <laughs> hit me up. I got you. I can help you. I can help you go through this, this process. And just, again, kind of in summary, go to therapy. Allow yourself to seek what you really need in therapy. Mm-hmm. Those things that you're seeking that you really need in therapy are probably closer and more accessible than they might immediately appear. Right. And if you are not on Elle's Discord, you can also reach out to us on social media. Our DMs are open on Twitter. Our... <laughs> Slide into our DMs. Just come our... talk about therapy, you know? Our DMs are open on Tumblr. We have an email that you can uh, get in touch with us at. All of that will be in the uh, podcast description link. All right. I think with that, then, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you guys so much for listening to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, y'all! And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Music for Gender Journeys, composed by Sonia Badash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash genderjourneys. We hope to hear from you soon.